following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Good morning. Well, Jordan has given me a challenge, that is to do an introduction to the entire book of Proverbs, and then to deal with Proverbs chapter 5. He said, I have two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that I can do. No, I'm just kidding. Many people probably assume that God gave the book of Proverbs just so we have something to read every day in a 31-day month. That's not why he gave the book of Proverbs. Uh, the Proverbs come from what is actually called wisdom literature. This is literature that is material, that is intensely practical, and addresses regular, everyday issues of life. Now, Proverbs are something that we are all familiar with. We use them often. They've been repeated enough that many of you can probably end these Proverbs. So, here we go. He's just a chip off the old... Mm-hmm. She's cut from the same bolt of cloth. Like father, like son. Two wrongs don't make. The pen is mightier. When in Rome, oh, you guys, you're pretty good here. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And when the going gets tough, those are all proverbs. And proverbs are specifically, in the Bible, a book that teaches us how to live well in the world that Yahweh created, in His moral universe. We are faced today with a world that is spinning out of control. We have issues in this country and culture with race, gender, sexuality, riots, the past, the present, the future, and all because we've abandoned truth and following the moral code that God created for his creatures in the world that he created. Proverbs is attributed to Solomon, David's son, the third king of Israel. Solomon asked for wisdom from God to rule Israel in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. And I want you to turn there. If you need it in your pew Bible, it's page 523. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. I'm reading from the New American Standard uh, because it's the only large print edition that I have. <laughs> no, it's what I've been using for 25 years, and I'm just too old to start over again. Then Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were still sacrificing on the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. 
In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at that, that night and said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, Thou hast shown great loving kindness to thy servant David, my father, according as he walked before thee in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards thee. And thou hast reserved for him thy great loving kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne. And it is this day, and now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people who cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. So give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of thine? And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and you have not asked for yourself long life, nor asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there is none like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that they will not be any among the kings who are like you in all your days. Now God honored Solomon, and he became one of the wisest men of all men. And it's recorded in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote over 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. He wrote songs of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even in the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. And men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. Many of those proverbs are contained in chapters 10 to 29 in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is divided into four sections. Chapters 1 to 9 are 10 speeches of a father to his son. And we're going to look at one of those. These speeches contrast wisdom and fear of the Lord, which leads to integrity, virtue, and generosity, which leads to success and peace, with folly and evil, which leads to selfishness and pride, and ultimately leads to ruin, shame, and death. Chapters 10 to 29 are hundreds of pithy statements of Proverbs that address everything from marriage, to money, to sex, to debt, to generosity, to work, to family, to forgiveness, to the tongue, to character, to alcohol, to poverty, etc., etc., etc. Now, it must be understood that Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's not what God guarantees that if you, this formula, if you follow what he says, uh, you're going to get what the Scripture says. No, it's a book of principles. It doesn't deal with the exceptions in life. It deals with the norms. These are God's rules for living in a moral universe. 
Maybe the most misused proverb of all is Proverbs 22.6, which says, Train up a child in the way in which he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I don't know how many parents have used that proverb to say, well, my child has walked away from the Lord, but he was raised in church, he'll come back. Wrong. Literally, in the Hebrew, that proverb says, train up a child in their bent. Discover your kids. If they're prone to work with their hands, buy them an old motor to work on. If they're prone to be an artist, get them crayons. Well, maybe better stuff. If they're prone to music, buy them an instrument. Find their bent, and when they're old, they will still do and love how God created them. That's what that proverb really means. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't bring your child to church. And it doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It just means don't go to Proverbs 22 and say, oh, God guarantees if they go to Sunday school, they're going to be good for the rest of their lives. No, he doesn't. Chapter 30 is written by uh, Agur, the son of Jacob. And that's the only time these people were ever mentioned. And we have no idea of who they are and how they got there. We just know they're in the Bible. Chapter 31 is a famous chapter written by Lemuel. And it basically teaches what Lemuel's mother taught him. That there's much debate as to who this king is. Some have said it's King Hezekiah. Others say it's Solomon himself. Still others says he's king, one of the kings of Manassas. And even others suggest that he's a made-up king. Now, I reject the made-up king because God put him in the Word, which means he has to be real, because God can't lie. But who he is, we don't know. We do know that some of the advice he received is really pretty sound. And we use it a lot every Mother's Day. These Proverbs were designed to get us to listen, to think, to remember, and to practice life. They were pragmatic, practical, and powerful influences in Israel to help them walk in a manner worthy of Yahweh. Now, unlike any other book in the Bible, Proverbs gives us short, simple, effective instructions for living life on this earth. I've been asked to deal with specific chapter, chapter 5, and I've titled this message, Solomon's Stay-at-Home Mandate, in honor of where we are with COVID. <laughs> You'll get to understand that that's not really what Solomon is asking for when we get there. It is one of the five, it's, it's, it jumps into the speeches of a father to a son, and is considered to be instruction from Solomon on the issue of adultery, and more broadly, on the issue of sexual immorality. Now, why I get stuck with these kinds of messages, I don't know. But I get the hard ones. G. Campbell Morgan said that this is a tremendous chapter dealing with a delicate subject daringly and with great directness. And he was right. While we're not going to exegete every part of the chapter, and we're not going to address every issue that's raised in the chapter, we are going to talk frankly about what's going on in our culture and in our homes and in the church as it relates to sexuality 
and how chapter 5 gives us a clear and direct application to help us live well in God's moral universe. No one taught more clearly on, or more directly on the issue of sexual promiscuity and chastity than Solomon. Solomon knew what he was speaking about because he had failed in this area on his way to following God. First, he marries the Queen of Sheba. That was a problem, and I'll show you why in just a second. But she's only one of, 800, or of 900 wives. And just in case that's not enough, he had 300 concubines. Now, I don't know about you, men, but I've got a hard enough problem keeping one woman happy. A thousand? And he's wise? I don't know. Now, why did I say the Queen of Sheba was a problem? Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. Deuteronomy 17, 14. Moses says, When you enter the land which the Lord your God has given you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your own countrymen, you shall set a king as over yourselves. You shall not put a foreigner over yourself who is not your own countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Now, these were the commands that God gave to a king. Three things he was not to do. He was not to multiply horses. Why? Because that would indicate that he was preparing to return to Egypt and have all of the army and the vastness of a, of a weaponry against his enemies. Secondly, he was not to marry a lot of wives. Marriage at this point, especially these kinds of marriages like the Queen of Sheba, were issues of security. Whenever I would have a fellow king nearby, one of the things that would happen is we would exchange daughters and we would marry them, and it was sort of a guarantee that he wouldn't attack me because I had his daughter. So these marriages were more issues of security. Why is that a problem? Because God said, I'll take care of you. You don't need to do it man's way. Do it my way. And you're not supposed to increase wealth. Well, God said he was going to increase Solomon's wealth. And by the way, Solomon had one of the eight wonders of the world, his stables. So he increased horses. And he had too many wives. And they turned his heart away from the Lord. So Solomon knows of which he is speaking. Now to Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to deal with a quick outline of Proverbs 5. Verses 1 and 2 is an exhortation, followed by a warning in verses 3 through 6. And that warning is against the adulteress. And the adulteress is uh, someone other than your wife, or in the case of the non-married, she's a, a woman who is going to entice you to violate God's uh, command of purity. 
Chapter, verse 7 is another exhortation followed by a warning to stay away from the strange woman in verses 8 to 14. Chapter 15 is the third exhortation, um, verse 15, excuse me, followed by verses 16 through 20, which is a warning to drink from your own well. And that's where I get the stay-at-home mandate. And then verses 21 to 23 is a warning that God sees and punishes the wicked. Let's read through this chapter quickly to hear what Solomon says to us about sexual immorality. Proverbs chapter 5 is on page 990, if you need it. Proverbs chapter 5. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways are unstable, she does not know it. Now then, my son, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your vigor to others, and your years to the cruel one. Lest strangers be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned goods go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your, father's end, at your latter end, when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart spurned reproof. And I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instruction, instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Let them be yours alone, and not for the strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress, and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For in the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held within the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and the greatness of his folly he will go astray. Many of the points of reference in chapter 5 don't directly apply to us today, because we don't travel to a section of town to engage in immoral behavior. That used to be true a long time ago, but not anymore. We have available on our phones and computers more than you will ever understand. Now, I'm not totally ignorant of what's available online, but I went and did a quick Google search of what the apps are that kids are using to hook up today in college and to get together today. And while I was aware of Snapchat, because... My own grandchildren send me things on Snapchat. I was shocked at what's out there. Apps like Tinder, 
Frenzy, Hinge, Happen, Pure, Bang with Friends, Grinder, Snapchat, Coffee Meets Bagel, Date My School. For younger kids, there's My LOL, Scout, Yubo, Hot or Not, and Meet Me. I was going to watch the faces of these young people as I said that, because I think some of them know what those are. And parents, that should frighten you. Because every one of them is a hookup app. Because we live in what's called the hookup culture. And what that means is the one-night stand culture. Not marriage. Not fidelity. Not God's way. Now think about this. You can load your phone with apps and it allows you to listen to the lips of an adulterous drip honey and speech that is smoother than oil in the privacy of your own room on your phone. You can send inappropriate pictures and receive them through Snapchat and other apps. And frankly, I am glad my children are grown. But I fear for my grandchildren. The Bible doesn't hide from or obscure the power of temptation to elicit sex. In language that is refreshingly clear and direct, the text warns us of the debacle that awaits should we succumb to the temptation of sex outside of marriage. The instruction to incline your ear literally means to listen carefully to the voice of experience so that you may observe discretion, which literally means to behave properly or make wise choices and have the necessary right words to say. We see in verses 3 through 6 that the other woman or adulteress is someone other than your own wife. But, for those of you that aren't married, this instruction of sexual purity still is an issue. And God still gives information. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 10, page 1840 in your pew Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger of these things." Just as we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This instruction from Paul for those who are not yet married, and the exhortation is the same as we read in chapter 5 of the book of Proverbs. By the way, verse 3 says, this is God's will. Young people are always trying to find God's will. God's will is not something ethereal that's out there in this stratosphere waiting to be discovered. This is God's will. Know this, live this, and you will always be in the will of God. Verses 7 to 8 give us another exhortation. Now then in chapter 5 of Proverbs. 
the writer says, Now then, my son, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. This is really interesting to me because many throughout the years have challenged me as I teach to tell me how close can we get to sinning without crossing the line. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon says, don't even get near the line. Don't go near the line. This is not about how much I can do. It's about how far away can I stay from sin. If you want to maintain your sexual purity, then keep as far away from the line as you can. Guard your heart, the Proverbs say. Guard what goes in through the eye gate. What goes in through the ear gate and what you do. The problem with our culture today is that we have abandoned the belief in absolute truth in what is philosophically called the correspondence theory of truth. Now, that's a big title for this. God created reality. And God defines reality. Therefore, reality corresponds to what God made. And what is true corresponds to reality. Not to what somebody says is true. Not to what a group says is true. Not even to what maybe your parents say is true. Truth comes from what God says is true. The result of ignoring this advice is found in verses 9-14. through 14 lest you give your vigor to others, your years to the cruel one, lest strangers be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods go to the alien. If we're going to engage in sexual immorality, folks, then we have some potential outcomes that we are not thinking about. Number one, we could lose our lives. Sexually transmitted diseases, and there are eight of them, are very common now, pathogens linked to sexual immorality. Of these eight, four are curable. Syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomonasis. And four are viral, which are incurable. Hepatitis B, herpes, HIV, and human papillomavirus, HPV. And the numbers of kids that are engaged in sexual behavior that are now living with these diseases is growing every year. You can lose your career. How many a politician or CEO or regular parent has lost their livelihood because of infidelity? You definitely are going to lose money and strength trying to maintain the lives and keep everybody happy. It's not worth it. Yet many in our culture culture, and sadly, many in our churches are caught up in sexual immorality practices from pornography to adultery, from self-gratification to premarital sex, and will pay the price of not following God. Verses 21 to 23 make clear that the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held in the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction 
And in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. God sees. And as we have already seen in 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, God is the avenger of these things. Years ago, now I'm going to show my age. Years ago, Josh McDowell wrote a book entitled Why Wait? That book was so popular that he toured all over the United States and saw young people over and over again. Now that book was a collection of information from over 4,000 Christian young people. And he would give this talk to thousands and thousands of kids. In one city, a youth pastor was taking him back to the airport. And as they were driving to the airport, Josh relays this message. He says that this pastor pulled off the side of the road and began to uncontrollably weep. And he turned to Josh McDowell and he said to him, I have not been alone in bed with my wife in the four years that we've been married. Now what he meant by that was that the memories of the infidelity that was a part of his pre-marriage years lived with him in his marriage. Young people, the consequence of our sin doesn't always happen immediately. Sometimes it happens years later when you are doing what God wants you to do and the memory of how you violated His will is there in front of you. We need to be as a church those willing to talk about these issues with our young people, with our children, among ourselves, in order to keep our way pure before Him. National statistics suggest that 73% of women and 98% of men, I just looked this up this morning, um, have viewed pornography in the last six months. 80% of men and 26% of women have viewed pornography in the last week. Recent studies of the church show that over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The average visit lasts 6 minutes and 29 seconds. There are around 42 million porn websites online, which is a total of around 370 million pages of porn. 47% of families in the United States report that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography use increased the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 11 is the average age that a child first exposed, is first exposed to porn. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they've had at least one teen come for help in dealing with pornography in the last 12 months. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24, 76% are actively searching for porn online. 59% of pastors said that married men seek help for their porn use. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they've never watched porn. That means 87% have. 
55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation, and 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church. Only 7% of pastors say their church has a program to help people struggling with pornography. We need to follow Solomon's stay-at-home mandate and drink from our own cisterns, become enthralled with the wives of our youth and what God has given us. Remember, these Proverbs were designed to get us to listen, to think, to remember, and to practice life. They were the pragmatic, practical, and powerful influences of Israel to help them walk in a manner worthy of Yahweh. It must be understood that Proverbs is not a book of promises, that God guarantees if you follow, the results will be yours. It is a book of principles, and it does not deal with exceptions, but rather the general rules of life in God's world and His moral universe. Right now, we are being called to listen. We are being called to think. We are being called to remember and to practice these principles in order to live well life in God's world and moral universe. The question is, will we follow Him? Or will we continue to go in the secrecy of our lives and continue to fail before Him in our homes, with our children, and in our churches. Let's pray. Father, these words are incredibly practical today. We stand in a culture that is inundated with illicit sex. From television to books, to pornography, to dress, we are all about sex. And for your children, Father, it is hard to be a fish in that water and not know what the water is like. Help us to see our culture for what it is. Begin with us reading your word and knowing your word that we have eyes to see and ears to hear what you say so that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling whereby we have been called. Lord, if there are those in this room that are struggling with this issue, I pray, I pray that you would give them the boldness to go to their pastor, go to their leaders, and ask for help. These sins are done in secret, and one of the ways to solve the sin is to bring the light. First the light of your word, and then the light of help. Father, may this church be a beacon of hope for those that are hurting in, the, in their marriages, in their homes, and may you honor yourself in this place as we seek to walk in a manner worthy of the calling whereby we have been called and all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.